0: Hey, it's Eddie Trunk, and you're checking out the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you, Eddie. You got it, man. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Doctor Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So
0: enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.
1: Bam, bam, bam. Dilly D. Well, all right. It's me, Doctor Fuck, and with always with me is. Oh yeah! Da na na na, na na na, na na na, Uh, yeah, yeah. What's up, bro?
0: Oh man, I am fucking three sheets to win, wind, feeling good, and uh, excited to review tonight. I'm very uh, I'm happy to be doing this tonight. How you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, dude. I uh, had a busy day before, and I'm home now and ready to fucking do this shit.
0: All right, and th- th- this is something uh, we still have a few for you. Uh, you, know, you know, the few last stragglers of the, uh, the, the fan pick reviews, they're coming. But, uh, you know, due to scheduling and everything like this, this is one Ralph handpicked. Uh, and, and I'm happy about that because. Not only are we honoring a musician who passed that we both uh, love and have much respect for, it's an album Ralph wants to do. So you know he's going to be in good mood. I like that.
1: Yeah, and plus, you know, I mean, uh, we it's still do- its still a donation episode because I put in for two episodes. This will be my second
0: one. All right, well, there you we go. I,
1: I said Diver Down was going to be my second one, but I changed my mind. But then again, I run this show as much as you do, so Diver Down will be a feature episode that I'll pick.
0: Oh yeah, we're, we're gonna do that with the great Greg Renoff. Without, without paying, yes, yeah. Greg Renoff's just gonna do it to sell a few more copies of Van Halen Rising. Cool, a great, and because and because he's a good dude. And, uh, uh, another thing to to pimp Greg Renoff, uh I just heard on a on another podcast that he's already working on his next book, which is a biography of Ted Templeman.
1: Uh. I guess you were a little too drunk, Ian, because he told us that in Nashville.
0: Oh, he actually said fine. to us
1: when we were <laughs> when you and I were talking to him. He said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to start doing a Ted Templeman biography next, and Ted's going to you know be part of it." You know?
0: Never mind. So, yeah. <laughs> well, at that time it
1: wasn't announced yet.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He gave but, uh, us
1: the scoop, and I purposely <laughs> did not mention it because I wanted him to mention it.
0: You know? Right, yeah. Well, the the cat's out the bag now. He did it on their podcast. But hey, maybe he'll help us get Ted Templeman on here. Could you imagine getting Ted Templeman
1: that'd be on nice. the Rocketman?
0: Oh, that'd be incredible, dude. I'd love to talk to him about, like, Doobie Brothers, and fucking, dude, Ted Templeman, you know. So...
1: Yeah, I would love for Templeman uh, to hear your Michael McDonald impression.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. would be like, oh, why did I waste my time with that guy?
1: Why don't you do the whole interview like Michael did? Let me ask you another <laughs> question. Long <laughs> well, this week we're doing Tom Petty, baby. Yes. I I, uh, I picked an album that's not my favorite album from him, but it is a very special album to me because I did buy it in my youth. And I bought it because of Teenage Heartache. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, the reason I bought this album was because Technically my first real girlfriend Uh, Broke my heart really bad You talking about my mom? No, she was never a girlfriend She's just a fucking lay Oh, Um, never mind She's a slut friend And uh, a dirty pig slut friend (laughs) That's just wrong I know, right? (laughs) But uh, yeah, I heard a song off this album I already heard The waiting. I already heard it, but you got to remember at this point in my life, if I went and bought an album, boy, I had to pick one that was very that had to be it because I made money making albums back then by cutting lawns, and with every lawn I I would cut, well, no, every two lawns I would cut, uh, I can afford one record. So I really had to pick and choose, and but this song meant so much to me that I was like, oh man, I'm gonna buy this album for this song alone because. It really was, uh, it's a, and it's not one of those heartbreaking uh, songs that help you. It just puts you deeper in it, you know? But, um, <clears throat> but I'll get into that song when we get to it. But um, uh, I'll give a little backstory. I know you may have some, but I'll give a little bit of a backstory. Um, this album was uh, the follow-up to the huge success of Damn the Torpedoes. Yes. And just like what Edward Van Halen went through in while recording Fair Warning, Tom Petty was in the same situation. It was pretty much up to him to come up with an album because the rest of the bands were out there chasing chicks and shit and not really, you know, helping them. So, uh... <clears throat> so, yeah, so... Tom Alone came up with, I guess, a majority of the song. Maybe, maybe they did. And at the time, his mother died, and he was very close to his mother. His mother was his champion. You know, his mother was the one person that, you know, Tom, you can do it, and was very proud of him, Were opposed to his father, who always came down on him saying, dude, rock and roll sucks, stop with this bullshit, get a real job.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, but then when Tom Petty became famous uh, in Gainesville, his dad was known, hey, look, that's Tom Petty's dad, and he embraced it and loved them then, but uh. Tom Petty had a little bit of resentment toward that, saying, "Oh, oh, now you like
0: rock and roll. Ah, yeah, gotcha.
1: So yeah, and I feel like some of these songs have a dark overtone. Even even the the, the happy songs on here, there's uh, if you really look at it, you know, there's kind of like a, a sadness to it. Some of it, you know. Uh-uh. But uh, <clears throat> that's my backstory. You have anything? Oh, and also, this was the first time I saw Tom Petty it was on the hard rock tour. Oh, Pumps nice, nice. Yeah, That was my first time seeing Tom Petty, oh, which oh, oh. I bought bought the tickets. Uh, I mean, I won the tickets on the radio to see this. Nice.
0: Right, who'd so you see him with?
1: Uh, I don't remember the opening band, but I did see All him right. with my late and great friend, George Royal, who, um, when I won the tickets, he had a motorcycle, and it was the first time I rode run, run in the back of the motorcycle. And I'm telling you, this radio station was about 40 minutes away from me, and I was petrified on back of that motorcycle. And uh, we went and picked it up on the day of the show. In the, in the daytime <clears throat> I'll never forget right. it, was a, it was a Saturday show We went there Or maybe Sunday I know it was a weekend <coughs> And We went to the station Grabbed the tickets Went back home Took a shower and everything And then went back And went to the show On his bike uh, Wow Scary as fuck And that was the only ah. time I ever rode him back on his bike And he passed away And uh, this song is dedicated To George Royal Great person
0: that's great. I, I went to a, a Jethro Toll show on the back of a bike, and, uh, and and we all we like almost dumped the bike three times on the way there. So I feel your pain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm telling uh, you, that was scary. Especially since we went to the show and he got drunk. So oh, I came back on a bicycle with a drunk guy.
0: Dude, that happened to me. This guy was a Vietnam veteran, and. In the middle of the Jethro Toll show Ian Anderson starts throwing out Popsicles And like ice cream cones I have no idea what the fuck this had to do with the Jethro Toll show But The guy started freaking out In the middle of him throwing that out Like having like non-flashbacks And freaking out And I'm like 17 And I'm like holy shit I gotta ride on the back of a motorcycle Like 45 minutes With this guy
1: Holy shit
0: yeah, so so very nervous.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it was a frightening experience, but great great show
0: uh, Oh, oh the, sa- the same with me. We showed up at that Jethro and Toll show with no tickets and it ended up with fifth row center Because it just happened. They had like two tickets available. We said best available and we got that
1: and, uh, Roughly I can't tell you where we were sitting but it sounded like around fifth row center. We were pretty up there center could have been, but, sick, it, bro.
0: but it was like a Tom Petty headline show that you saw. Huh? Yes, yes, he
1: was huge okay. already at the time.
0: Okay, you cool. Know, the torpedoes
1: made him huge already. Oh yeah. I mean, you couldn't escape Tom Petty at this time because even at this time, you know, one of the biggest hits of that year was "Stop Dragging My Heart Around," you mm-hmm. know, because uh, that was written while they were doing uh, "Heart which, Promises," which
0: should have been on this album if Tom Petty was smart, because <laughs> it would have it would have made the album a lot. Easier future, but it will get and, into that And later. it did
1: throw a monkey wrench into this album, and I will explain why.
0: Right. But, uh, you know, my thing with Tom Petty, I mean, he goes back to uh, some of my first memories of, of rock and roll, because much with like uh, Rod Stewart, uh, Do You Think I'm Sexy, Stones, Miss You, uh, all that, you know, some of my first memories of hearing songs on the radio was Breakdown, which is still one of my all time, I mean, definitely top twenty songs of all time. I don't give a fuck what genre you're talking about. It's one of the greatest songs of all time, in my opinion. Uh, but also, even just being a kid, I had this album called Chipmunk Punk. Oh, I uh, remember that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it had uh, you my know, Sharona, the chip- right? Yeah, my Sharona. Chipmunk's doing. Uh, uh, you may be wrong, but you may be right, uh, shit like that. Was
1: was uh what I like about you on that one?
0: Oh, right. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. uh
0: I'm I'm not sure, but 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 you know. So anyway, I, I was already aware of Tom Petty, but when Tom Petty, uh, you know, and I'm sure I heard you know, Refugee and Don't Do Me Like That, and Here Comes My Girl, but I I, I think when it really like resonated with me was when I saw the video for You Just Got Lucky. And at the time, I didn't have MTV or anything like that, Uh, even though my father, who lived in Podunk, Illinois, at the time, had it. You know, and I lived an hour south of Chicago. We didn't have it. But I saw it had to be either, like, night flight or Friday night videos. But I I just remember seeing that video with, like, the, the futuristic car, you know, and it was, like, almost like you know, the road warrior meets solar babies. Uh, There's an obscure 80s movie reference for you. Uh, You know, but it was just like this weird video. And I love the song because it was very much steeped in like, you you know, keyboard wise, it was 80s new wave. But, you know, that, that guitar lick on, 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 you know, you got lucky was so sweet and so rock and roll and, you know, that, that, that's the thing about Tom Petty is like no matter what was cool or what was hip, Tom Petty was always Tom Petty. You know, he was just traditional rock and roll in a in a weird era because he already had this past because he came he slipped in through the '70s, but he wasn't like an '80s pretty boy. I mean, Tom Petty like everybody went to school with a guy who looked like Tom Petty. You know, there was no. There was no dressing this guy up. There's no way he's going to look like a guy from Duran Duran. He's Tom Petty. And he played traditional rock and roll with a voice that sounded like Bob Dylan, with music that sounds like it came from the birds. And, you know, he was just kind of an anomaly. But it's like, I don't know anybody who hates Tom Petty. I I mean, I know people who might hate a song. Like, I hate Free Falling. I mean, I acknowledge it, it. It's it's a good song, but goddamn, I never in my fucking life ever want to hear "Free Falling" again. But I acknowledge it's a good song. But but like, you don't, you just don't hear people hate on Tom Petty, regardless of what music they're into. It's just like, hey, Tom Petty's cool, you know.
1: Eddie Murphy didn't like him much.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna get to that later. I like that <laughs> song too. I fucking love that song. And, uh, you know, as I'm saying, I grew up with them. The first album I bought was Packing Up the Plantation Live. And I think I talked about this in last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, I heard Breakdown, and it didn't sound like the record, and I got mad, and I didn't like it. But then, uh, you know, even though I liked the songs that were on Southern accent, for whatever reason, I didn't buy that album. But when uh, Let Me Up, I've Had Enough came out, And uh, you're jamming me. I mean, I love that. It's like, take back Vanessa Redgrave. Take back Joe Piscopo. Take back Eddie Murphy. Give them all some place to go. And and how cool was that? How rock and roll was that? Because at the time, Eddie Murphy was like the biggest star in the fucking world. And here you are fucking making fun of him. You know, Joe Pisco, Joe Pisco was probably happy anybody said his name, (laughs) you know, but uh, but yeah, he slammed it, you know, in a song he co-wrote with Bob Dylan. Uh, And I remember, I remember buying that on cassette. And when I got that, it was the same time I was getting into metal. And I really loved jamming me as a song. But as an album, I was just like, oh, this isn't where I'm at, because I'm listening to Asylum. I'm listening to fucking night songs. I'm listening to fucking Slippery When Wet, you know? Can't Polish a Turd, that's what was going on, you know? I'm discovering all this fucking different metal, and and this shit's far from metal. But, uh, you know, I just remember only liking that song and and, and not much more. Uh, But I did buy Full Moon Fever when it came out. But for whatever reason, I was kind of like a Greatest Hits guy with Tom Petty. Like, every time he put out a song, I liked it. But I never went out and bought the album until years later. Uh, I would say probably around the time of like uh, when uh, the first Greatest Hits came out. You know, it was uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. Amazing song. Amazing song. (laughs) Just ask the Chili Peppers. Um... But I, I went back and I bought the first Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers album, which to this day, well, we might get into that later. But it was my favorite album of all time. Uh, I mean, from Tom Petty, uh, was the first album. Uh, but he was one of those guys. Always liked it, always respected it. But when he put out a new album, I didn't buy it. But I always dug what he did. So there there's definitely a level of respect and like, but I never dug into him because I was so immersed in the metal. And he wasn't metal. He was just rock, you know, and there's nothing fucking wrong with that. But uh, much, much respected to Tom Petty. And and I think this is a great episode to pick. Uh, because it is a dark horse in the catalog, uh, it's not one of his better known albums, even though it, it had one hit on it, but, I mean, everybody, I mean, most people, even if they know this album, it's just for the waiting, and, uh, but we like, we like to put that focus on lesser known albums. But I, I would say this is something that I would not recommend. Like, like if I'm telling somebody to check out Tom Petty, this wouldn't be my go-to album. Oh, I'd say I'd say go go to the greatest hits. And uh, you know, again, it's one of those that I guess I addressed. I've only I've only heard half of uh, the the the, uh, the Kiss concert review, but I guess I I, I went off on people who uh, only listen to the Kiss episodes. Uh, (laughs) because I've heard that from more than a few people, but, uh, you know, this is one of those ones like, Hey, you might not know this album, but listen to us anyway, you know, besides the fact that we're funny, but you might get turned on to something. And, and I encourage people to listen to Tom Petty because this was just a, a real rock and roller in a day and age where that's even more in danger than it's ever been in in your lifetime, in my lifetime. You, you know, uh, uh, if a new Tom Petty came out right now, he wouldn't stand a chance, and that's very unfortunate. You know, uh, a plain-looking white man playing basic rock and roll, uh, where would he have an outlet for his music? You know, and I think that's a great thing about... Uh, you know know, him coming in at the time he did and even in the early 80s you had a chance because you had people like Huey Lewis and you know don't get me wrong you know I think Tom Petty's miles above Huey Lewis but you know middle-aged white men playing just regular rock and roll would never go over now but in the 80s you had a chance and uh, man this is a guy I'm so jealous you got to see him four times and uh, you know, I took him for granted I passed over, seen him live And I gotta live with that now You know, and I encourage a lot of you Man, if you see somebody You know, who's coming to town, go see him You know
1: but I might the- have, you know what man In retrospect, looking back I could have been just like you and everybody else If I didn't win those tickets Because if I didn't win tickets for that Higher Promises Tour, I wouldn't right. have gone I wouldn't have gone, I couldn't afford it back then and maybe, so, and that's the show when I saw Tom Petty that night. I was like, dude, that's great. And then when he came back, I was like, yeah, I'm fucking Tom Petty's great live. That's how so I that, found out he was great live.
0: So, so that, that show kind of was a tipping point for you. You're like, okay, when this guy comes back, I'm going to go see him again. Yeah. Cause that, that was such a great rock and roll show. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. That, but that's that, awesome. Goes,
1: that goes for, you know, let's see, let's say you go see any show, you know, and there's certain bands that you're like oh, man, that was great. I'll see them again. You know, it was one right, of those situations right. where maybe I could have never seen Tom Petty ever because I would have been like, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of artists out there I like that I've never seen live uh, in the same caliber as Tom Petty. And it's not and it's not because I don't like them. I do like them. But it's just like, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd rather save my money for this artist or I got right. to work and... You know, right. and and honestly, the last time Tom Petty came down here, it was on a day off, or I wouldn't have gone. You know, right. I but I love Tom Petty regardless. You know, but it's like, all right, I've seen Tom Petty three times, but it was like a day off. It's like, fuck yeah, Tom Petty on a day off. I'm going to that shit. And I haven't seen Tom Petty uh, from the last time I saw him. I haven't seen Tom Petty since uh, Wildflowers. Okay, wow, which was like about twenty years.
0: But but I'm glad you picked this, and I hope people. Uh, even if if you might not because I love the way you always put the songs behind when we're talking even if this album doesn't grab you just for people to go check out Tom Petty and to give him uh, you know more of a chance more of a retrospect go okay uh, you know maybe this isn't the album for me but I like some songs so maybe I'll check out this album uh, because he, he is a rare and a genuine artist I mean just look at who he played with. I mean, I mean, Bob Dylan picked the Heartbreakers as a background band. I mean, look at the Traveling Wilburys. You know, Mudcrutch. All this different shit. I mean, this guy was was rock and roll. I mean, I know we're metal guys, but this guy was rock and roll to the bone. No pretension. No like, you know, this guy never had the sellout album or the album where he wore fringe. He was just Tom Petty to the day he died. There's a lot to be said for that, dude. That's respect. That is such respect. And I mentioned in the last episode, I'll mention again, an incredible quote. You know, he's talking about, you know, in this era of American Idol and the voice. He's like, if you tried to sell to my generation music by somebody who won a game show, we would laugh you out of the fucking room. Like you wouldn't stand a chance. And that's the era he came from. You had to write good songs. You had to write songs from the heart. You had to be able to play your instruments. You know, this is real shit. There's nothing. There's nothing phony about Tom Petty, and uh, the you know, hats off to him for that.
1: Very cool. You want to take the first track?
0: All right. The first track is the waiting. Uh well, well hold on before I even get to that I got I got a little history uh, for this album. Uh the original working title for this was Benmont's Revenge, which Benmont Tench is his keyboard player and was from the beginning till the end and was even with him in Mudcrutch. Uh, but I don't get that. It's not like this is a heavy keyboard album. But uh, this was his second album for Backstreet Records. The first two Tom Petty albums were released on a subsidiary, I believe, of ABC or MCA records. And there was problems there. And then he got signed for Damned Torpedoes, uh, which, you know, blew up, was a huge hit for him. And then he did this. And what they wanted to do was charge a dollar more for this album than most albums. And MCA called it Superstar Pricing. And it started with Steely Dan's Gaucho, with uh, the soundtrack to Xanadu. And Tom Petty, who, you know, even though he was making a name for himself, I mean, he's relatively a newcomer. And he fought this venomously. I mean, he was like, no, no. Why are you ripping off the fans, you know? And we're talking about a dollar here. But we're also talking about a day and age when fucking... The minimum wage was probably like $1.95, you know. But this is a guy who stood up for what he believed in. Like, hey, you know, fuck this shit. And it delayed the release of this album longer than it was supposed to be. So, uh, you know, what, a, what an awesome fucking dude for, you know, being a guy that's young in his career to do this. And also another cool thing is during the recording of this, John Lennon was scheduled to be in the studio at the same time. And Tom Petty was like, holy shit, awesome, I get to meet John Lennon. And then, of course, he was assassinated. Uh, So they paid tribute to him. If you get an original pressing of Hard Promises on
1: vinyl... Oh, I do. I have it. You have this? Well, I bought it when it was new. Okay. It must be original. Okay, so check this shit out. We might take a little...
0: Pause, you know, for recording premises, but you know how uh, on vinyl, like when it gets to the middle, and sometimes you see stuff edged in. Yeah. If you have an original copy uh, uh, carved into that, it says "We love you, J.L." Oh. And that was that was his tribute to John Lennon. So I'd be very interested uh, if you want to pause this and yeah, go yeah. grab your final Give copy.
1: Give me a second. Okay. Uh, I need my glasses. I'm to, like, yes. I see it. You see it now. It's on side side one. How Ooh. awesome is that? Yeah. I have the original one. Yes. I know. I know. I bought the shit when he's new. I, I, I remember. Right. I mean, not spanking new. Uh, I bought it off. The second single was the one that made me buy it. Right. So I guess they were still first pressings at that time.
0: Right, but still, I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, I mean, that's something that goes back to the golden age of vinyl. That you see something like that. That's something. Is something you missed out on cassette? You
1: Did know? you know that we have a we have one on uh the Merciful Fate tribute? Uh, we have that in uh, the guitar player of uh, the the guy that's be the, behind all the guitar of the Merciful Fate tribute is a guy called, we know called JP. Okay. And you know that um, what's the name of the teacher in South Park? Drugs are bad. I'm um, Mr. Mr. Garrison. Mr. Er, Garrison uh, has uh, JP has the same size head. It's uh, like a er, huge er, head. Er, er, no, the, okay, that's Mr. Mackey. Mr. Okay, Mackey. yeah, Mr. Mackey. So uh, we etched in uh, JP is a cabezón, and cabezón means like big head. Really?
0: Okay, now you're going to make me grab my record. I <laughs> it's have on it. there, yeah. Hold oh, on. Look at it. We etched it in. Okay, so I'm grabbing my vinyl copy that is signed. It says, thanks, Ian, you rule. Drink or die, Dr. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at this. Uh, okay, I don't see nothing on the hooded side. Uh, okay, hold on. What's this?
1: Uh What's it supposed to say? JP is a cabezon. It means that you has got a big head.
0: Yep, I do see that. Okay. That's <laughs> that that's on the fuck side.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, if, if, if you yeah. have
0: it, there's a fuck side and there's a holy side.
1: Now, I'll, I'll, I'll say something else, and it's not etched in, but if anybody's got melting your skull on vinyl, there's a hidden message somewhere on that vinyl. But I'm not going to give that one away. Okay. Because <laughs> me and the guy that designed the vinyl, we said we're never going to say anything and see if anybody notices this. It's pretty crazy. You're going to need glasses to see it. All righty
0: uh yeah even what i saw i wouldn't have seen that if you didn't say it and then i've kind of taken your word for it too because i'm old
1: but you see uh, it you see at least an etching right
0: oh yeah 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 no i see it and i saw the j j j something is
1: jp jp is a cabezon well cabezon is a spanish word so
0: yes oh i i know I, i speak fluent spanish but not that well right um but yeah, so that's awesome. You had you have the original pressing with yeah, that man. out
1: there. So uh still those- in good condition. Even the sleeve looks nice on this. So the-
0: so so those are some interesting facts. Also, uh this is the last album to feature original bassist Ron Blair until the last DJ when he came back to replace Howie Epstein, the guy who replaced him.
1: Who who- died of heroin.
0: Yeah, he was thrown out due to drug abuse, and uh, and and then Ron Blair came back. And you know, I was reading some cute, some cool quotes where Tom Petty was saying, you know, how awesome is it that this guy came back? Uh, you know, he's like, it just reminds me of the old days to like, you know, turn on stage and and to see this guy. You know, and this is a guy he played with, you know, since the early '70s through Mudcrutch. Uh, you know, the early. And first... it's
1: funny because this guy did not leave the band uh in a in a bad way. He just had enough of the record industry. Just didn't want to play it no more. So he went out. Right. And he did he made uh he did on I think it was Ventura Boulevard, he opened a bikini shop. And uh he would constantly go see Tom Petty live. And right. then uh like uh Jimmy I- Ivey, is that his name? Yes. That produced yes. um he would go to the shows with them going, man, I mean, that's your band up there. Don't you feel bad? He's like, no, they're awesome. He's right. like, I really did enjoy watching Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers without being in the band. I thought it was yeah. a lot of fun. You know? yeah. So it was, it was it was one of those I left the band in really good terms.
0: Yeah, and it, it was a weird thing, though. It was like they replaced the on some songs, especially on the last two albums, uh, which is kind of weird and uh you know but he was ready to leave himself right. uh you, you know which which you know it's something i want to ask you as somebody you know in a recording band uh i i always, as a music fan it always bothers me when the band doesn't play on the song uh does that bother you at all like when a you know, guitar player would record a a bass track versus your actual bass player. I mean, has that ever happened with you?
1: No, you ever- no, um, no, it hasn't. But uh, melting your skull, there was a lot of sessions that uh, Willie wasn't part of. So the rhythm guitar was done by Ryan and Willie, where usually it's both of them together. So what? that's kind of different than what you're saying. Oh, oh, wait, um, the guitar solo in Internet Metalhead is, uh, well, it's not even a guitar solo, the guitar goes like this, it's Alex Marquez.
0: <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, okay, like, say I'm the bass player of the band, I would want, you know, if we're a band, if we're a band, we're a fucking gang, I mean, we are a music machine. I would want to be part of every fucking song, and I, I mean, I know now of like you know, especially in this day and age, you get so much more information about who played on what. Like, you know, there's so many Stones songs, and I'm a huge Stones fan. That Keith Richards played the bass on instead of fucking uh, Bill Wyman, or you know, maybe Mick Taylor
1: played the bass.
0: But I'm like, man, if I'm the bass, if if I'm in a band and that's
1: my job. You know Ah. know what I learned through KISS interviews? The reason why this happens, because uh, the song I Still Love You on Creature of the Night, the bass is by Eric Carr. Um, They said that Gene Simmons actually did play bass on that song, but the vibe wasn't right. And then Eric Carr did it, and he had a better vibe at the song. So that's uh, their explanation. Maybe it's the same explanation the Stones had. There's certain people that, there's certain songs they can't actually nail it like somebody else. And what they want is the perfect combination for a song,
0: right? But but I, I I mean I mean maybe that's just egotistical me, you know. That'd be like you know we record a show and you're like you you're just not getting that joke right, you know. I'm gonna get Don Rickles in here, even when 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 we recorded the uh, the Prince tribute, you know. I was so thankful that you at least did the intro because without that, to me, it doesn't even feel like a real. Rock and Metal Combat podcast. You know, it's like you have to have, everybody has to participate or it deludes it a little bit. But that, that's a whole nother discussion. But that's just something that kind of, uh, you, you know, to me, if I was in a band, that would, I, I, I just have, it, everything I do, even if I fall short, I want to give everything my best. So if, if I was pushed aside in favor of something else, I, I, I couldn't handle that.
1: Well, you see, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even go into music. To me, what you just said now made me realize something. I shouldn't be the one naming the name of this thing because the way you deliver that, you're like, Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> I like how you say podcast more than I do. Podcast. Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind, people. This is how he says But po- Let's well, just say it again. Go ahead. How you normally say it. Don't try
0: or nothing. I, I don't know, because now I can't do it. Cause now
1: no, you got just say playing. it. Uh, no, no, you always say it that way. So say it how you normally say it.
0: Rock and Metal Combat
1: Podcast. I you see you're doing it. You're, you're, you're thinking know. too much. No, yeah, no, you're no, thinking I'm too nervous. much. I'm nervous. Rock it. and Metal Combat Podcast. Okay, I didn't know Everybody I Everybody rewind that shit. Fuck it. I'm going to put it on right now. <laughs> the Magic of editing. Listen how he does this. Wait, first let me do it my way. Rock okay. and Metal Combat Podcast. Now listen to Ian do it. Okay.
0: Rock and Metal Combat podcast.
1: You know, it's like I rest my case. I
0: can't hear the difference because you didn't play anything.
1: Yet. I did play it, but it's the magic of editing. Ian. Yes. I can't do it
0: now. I know magic scares me.
1: There's yeah. too much. There's too much math and Doug Eddy. Um,
0: but uh, anywhere? Where the fuck were we?
1: Well, yeah, we talked about the bass player leaving. Uh, the, oh the, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. After yeah. the album.
0: Yeah, but uh, that, that's I, I encourage bands. If you want to stay together, play together. Uh, another thing I don't like, I, I think all albums should be recorded as a band. That's just me.
1: Oh, that's that's how I do it. Dude. I mean, I, I, you know, with the exception of the last one, one band member wasn't showing up. Believe me, right, we were right, all no. in the studio. Like when drum tracks were happening and guitar tracks, I overlooked everything as well as every other member. Right, we right. all were there with the same goal.
0: I'm just saying. I, I think it's good for 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 brotherhood and the strength of the band uh, that that people record together. That everybody's on the same page, feeling that magic. But,
1: but then again, there's fair warning. Yeah, they, you know. Guess, hey, oh, the oh, anomaly.
0: I, I just record a podcast. You
1: yeah, know, you, uh, now you're trying too hard. Oh, well, you know, what's you ear back? What's you know. hear this back? <laughs> All That's right, Metal Combat yeah <laughs>
0: You bastard!
1: You beast! Be. <laughs>
0: so, anywho, I think you asked me a half hour ago what I think of *The Waiting*.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, a classic track. Um, what I love about Tom Petty is he totally has a Bob Dylan voice, backed with the music of the Birds. Um,
1: uh,
0: and and I think that's a great mix. I mean. And it stands for a testament of his songwriting. And what he does... Because he doesn't have what you would consider an uh, awesome voice. It's very Bob Dylan. And I know so many people... And you're one of them. You said like, Oh, I love... Some of Bob Dylan's lyrics are amazing. But I hear that voice. I'm like, Ey. Yeah. You know, people run for the door. But he has a very Bob Dylan voice. Well, it's
1: Bob dylan asked.
0: Yes. But uh, musically... It owes a lot, you know. You know, musically, when I hear Tom Petty, I don't hear the Stones, I don't hear the Beatles, I hear the Birds. I hear like something like Eight Miles High, you know, and that's uh, I, I know that's a band he loved. Uh, you know, he loved Roger McGuinn and shit, and uh, so it, it's an interesting mix. I mean, he has lyrically classic rock and roll. Lyrics with the voice of Bob Dylan and musically, it's not the British invasion; it's more like the California invasion. It Sounds very bird esque uh, I hate to say Beach Boys because that's a little bit too cheery, but it's very American. It's it, it's not English. I mean, Tom Petty is very Americana, uh, and I and I and I love that because to me it makes him like a national treasure and, and and it's a great song I mean this is the one like everybody even people who like harp around like what oh it's got the waiting on it okay I know the waiting that's a great song uh, love this one this one does not feature the bass playing of Mr. Ron Blair the bass on this was played by Mike Campbell who is Tom Petty's Keith Richards uh, you know is the, the the probably one of the only one he co-writes with and Mike Campbell's on anything that Tom Petty does. You know, he, he did three albums that were called Tom Petty and not the Heartbreakers. He had Full Moon Fever, uh, Wildflowers, uh, Highway Companion. I'm not sure about the lineup on Highway Companion, but I know Wildflowers was played by the Heartbreakers, but it was called just Tom Petty solo. But, I mean, I mean, if he has a right-hand man, it's Mike Campbell. Uh, but, this, you know, it, it, it's a classic song. And it's just, it's one of those that I think appeals to everybody without being blamed. You know, it's, it's not hospital food. You know, it's not something that's like edible but has no flavor. It has flavor, but yet there's something I think anybody could listen to that song and say, that's a good song regardless of what genre of music you're into i mean i mean really if you don't like this song you're a douche you know in in, in my opinion it's not the greatest song ever written but it's a good just standard rock song and it's good rock and roll what do you think of the way
1: it's the perfect tom petty song um <clears throat> hooks after hooks amazing opening line Baby, don't it feel like heaven right now? What a great way to start a song. I read after Tom Petty died, uh, there was an article on my Facebook. Some uh, somewhere I put posted an article where they said Tom Petty was the king of the first lines of songs. And, yeah there's uh,
0: a good that's that's good. That's yeah, good. And, and
1: and then you know, thinking of that, uh, I did did I did do a little research today, and I put on a Running Down a Dream, just the Hard Promises part. You know, to see, you know, just to freshen up what went on during the recording of this album, and it was funny because the bass player, during that, said, "What a great opening line!" You know, and it's true. It's just such a cool opening line. Tom said, Tom, and in this documentary, Tom said that the opening riff to that song he played over and over again, trying to figure out what to do with it for over a week. All he did was play that riff over and over again, see where the fuck can I go from here. And then at one point, you know, he was playing the riff and then he came up with the wait, and it's the hardest part. Uh, and uh, he kept doing it over and over again to the point where uh, the people that were around him was like, would you fucking stop already? Because, you know, he would go, he would put the guitar down, go eat, come right back and start playing that riff again. But then, you know, the, the finished song is the definition of well-aged music. You know, it just hits that part of me that is pretty much the bullseye to my love of music. Uh, the Mike Campbell solo in that in this song reminds me a lot of Ace Frehley. Sounds nothing like Ace Frehley, but like Ace, it's a song within a song. Every note is meant to be in that solo. I love the fuck out of this song, and uh, it's funny because <clears throat> this was uh, this was not the sing. I knew this song. But it wasn't the one that made me run out and uh, get this album. Right. And But um, <clears throat> I will say um, what is really amazing, though, about this song, you can look it up on YouTube, and I'm not a big Pearl Jam fan, but, dude, dude seeing Eddie Vedder do this song, it's like, dude, Eddie Vedder should join, like, a Tom Petty-type band because he's got a, an amazing voice for this type of music. You know, right. he just sings it so well. And I love it. So I'll go into the next song. The song that made me buy the album. Yeah, A Woman in Love. Uh, my first real girlfriend broke my heart when she admitted to me that she was getting feelings for one of my friends. And this friend had zero interest in her. Dumb bitch. Was that
0: Ruben Della Rosa?
1: No, I didn't know Ruben back then. But I oddly enough, Oddly enough, it's a friend of Ruben's Delarosa's. I love that guy, but not now, the other guy. I, I probably said this before, but Ruben Delarosa, uh, when I used to live in Hialeah, I moved out in 84 to Miami Beach. And at that time, it was when Ruben's Delarosa started hanging out with all my Hialeah friends. So I just missed him. When I met Ruben, which uh, every Tuesday we would go to Churchill's to see this guy called Mariano J. Brasish, who was a complete Ingvay Momstein clone. And uh, we'd go there every Tuesday night. And this was me at my most financial worst. I'd say this was maybe uh, 2000, maybe the year 2000. I mean, I, it was so bad for me at the time that, you know, these were free shows, but I, you know, everybody be buying pictures and I couldn't chip in. I always felt bad, but I met Ruben there because Ruben heard me on my radio show. I used to do a radio show back then. And he goes, oh, you're Ralph from the radio show. And then he used to bring me these cassette mixes. Of he, Oh, I want you to check out these mixes. And then um, we exchanged phone numbers. And then one day I called him. And he used to have, remember caller ID? Yes. Where he saw me calling and it said Ralph Vieira. And he picked up the phone and he goes, dude, do you know Yai? And I am like, Yai's my fucking best friend growing up. Bro, you are Ra- you're the Ralph Vieira. I'm like yeah I go dude I've heard so many Fucking stories about you And it was weird because me and Ruben are such Great friends now but It's funny how we just missed each other In, in the mid 80s And we, we met up finally in 2000 It was meant to be and hopefully One day he will come around And uh, marry me And stop being this fucking hetero bullshit Get over yeah. that shit Get over that old school crap So So It destroyed me because the only time I had my heartbreak broken uh, before that was over that older woman who took my virginity, but that was a retarded heartache because that really was my fault. But this was the first time that it was not my fault. And hearing this song on the radio really captured my heartache at that time, especially that quiet version of sadness, then the louder chorus of heartache. It really does capture the feeling I was feeling back then because... Essentially, I wasn't a man in love I, I was a like woman in love you know, <laughs> Because To be that fucking heartbroken You know But it's a beautifully orchestrated song One of the greatest songs about heartbreak And what better band to make a song like this Than the Heartbreakers And uh, this song was their second single But it flopped Because uh, Stop, Brag- Stop dragging my heart around uh, was a huge hit. And, and I saw this on the documentary. Tom Petty said at the time when they released this radio was like, well, we're not going to promote two heartbreakers songs," So they really focused on stop bragging my heart around. And it became a big hit. And the bass player told the story where he was walking out of a hotel one day while Stevie Nicks was, was uh, checking in. And she said to him, isn't it amazing uh, heart, uh, stop dragging my heart around. How great's going? He's like, yeah, it killed our single. And then he saw he saw her face drop, like sad. and He's like, oh no, no, wait, wait, I didn't mean it that way. But you know, I just I think it's great that we did great. But I'm just saying, you know, because uh, this song was a single and it was on the radio. It wasn't. I remember it wasn't pushed that much, but just a few little times I heard it back then. I was like, fuck, dude, I, this song. It, it, it was the perfect song for me at the perfect time for me to buy this album. And to this day, I would say it's uh, my third favorite. Oh, by the way, The Waiting's my second favorite song on here. Okay. Uh, my favorite's coming up. What do you think, A Woman in Love?
0: Uh, I, I love this song. I, th- I, th- I think it's a great song. And uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that uh, Stop Dragging My Heart was, you know, pushed on a Stevie Nicks album. Because Stevie Nicks could have sold anything at that time. I mean, you know, because you grew up... I mean, at that time, Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, I mean, that was, like, just all over the place. Where, you know, Tom Petty was still finding his feet. I mean, you know, he had a lot of success with Damn Torpedoes, but if if that song would have been on this album, Hard Promises would have been a much bigger album than it was. But, uh, you know, you know, this is a great song, and you're right. It's a really uh, great heartbreaking song. And, uh, you know, as we were getting ready to record this, you know, I'm listening, I get off work and making me a cocktail, and I'm listening to this and writing my notes and doing all that. And then it got, you know, our recording got delayed a little bit. So I'm listening to, like, other, you know, Tom Petty songs. I'm like, ah, let me listen to some other Tom Petty I love. And uh, a a song off the album prior to this, Damned Torpedoes. Here Comes My Girl, I think is one of the greatest love songs of all time. Uh, Just because it it reminds me of like, you know, when you first start dating a girl and and you've got that like, that newfound love, like, oh, this is the one. This is the one that's going to turn my life around. Uh, You know, and like, no matter what's going on, You know this is gonna you know I've got this sunshine in my life and it's one of the most positive songs that way but then he can turn around and write a song like this which is one of the most like holy shit you know that girl just fucking killed me songs Uh, I I, I love it and uh, it should have been a much bigger hit than it was another song that did not feature Ron Blair as of yet, you have not heard Ron Blair on this album. The bass on this was played by Duck Dunn, or Donald Duck Dunn. Oh, yeah, uh, the
1: guy from the Blues Brothers, right?
0: The Blues Brothers, Booker T and the NGs. But, uh, no, a, a great song, Ralph, and and, and this is one that, uh, yeah, you know, if you just know the Tom Petty greatest hits, you probably don't know this, but this... In my opinion, this should be on a Tom Petty's greatest Hit song.
1: It's not. I could have sworn it was on that one, the real popular one that had uh, no. "Last Last Dance with Mary Jane." That's not no. on there, huh? No, no, it it's should not on. have been. Um, are you finished with "Woman in Love"?
0: Yeah, great song. Then,
1: then take "Night Watchman."
0: Okay, "Night Watchman." Uh, this is to me a very a very weird song. This was the B side of uh, "The Waiting," and. Uh, to me, it's weird, kind of a, a, a fillerish song, but I've listened to this album like three times, and spoiler alert, there's no song I hate on this, but I just don't have the history with it you do. Like, to me, I have so much history with the first album. Love it. That'd be like something like I borderline would not have to take notes on. Uh, this I have to take notes on. But it's kind of a weird song, takes different twists and turns, but there's still something a little fillerish about this. But I don't hate the song. What do you think?
1: Uh, I love this song. You know, the song was played live when I saw him for the first time. Really? Only time, yeah, only time I ever saw him play Night Watchmen was on the Hard Promises Tour. And uh, this song, I, I think it's great, and I think it flows well with the album. And I hear, even back then, when I would listen to the song, I was like, look, it's Tom Petty trying to be the police. That's what it's, I was like, like
0: a reggae little yeah, kind of thing going on. Yeah, it's so
1: police-ish, you know, like the police brand of reggae. I think it's a really catchy tune, and I spent many days back then with this song stuck in my head. It's one of those type of, like, it sticks to your head song. I think it fits perfectly for the album. I think it's just a fun song. It's different, but that's what makes great albums, right? You know, right, songs uh, that
0: are just I, I agree. I, and this is one, like I said, this could be one... Because uh, I'm relatively new to this, you know, and I, I I fully admit that there's a lot of these songs. Uh, like I said, nothing is like, ew, that sucks. But there were songs that like didn't like grab me like other Tom Petty songs have. So uh, I, I think this is one of those albums that I'm only going to love more with more listens. But on the first one, uh, th- this one didn't stick out as much.
1: Well, if there's any song I would tell you to really analyze because you will realize it is a fucking masterpiece is the next tune. Uh, okay. So, um, <clears throat> something big. Uh, You know, with his killer, unique voice that on this song, he sings it in a way where it just sounds, it just sounds so cool. I think this is the masterpiece on the whole album. Not my favorite on the album, but it's, it's such a great Great, well written song, and this is such solid proof of what a great, great, amazing uh talent Tom Petty was. Uh, it's there's a great flow to the song, and I mean, I could go on and on about this one and analyze it, over analyze it, but all I can say is, man, this one right here is the definite dark horse, I think, on the whole Tom Petty discography but you know I won't go as far to say it's my favorite Tom Petty song but it's definitely in my top 10 Th- something big what do you feel about it on your you know on your brand new listens
0: uh, well this is what I mean this shows you like sometimes you and me are on the mark and sometimes we're so far off because this is one on, on the first listen I was like and eh, didn't really grab me second listen I was like Hey, there's something fucking here. On the third listen, this is my favorite song on the fucking album. There you I, go. I love this fucking song, and that and that's something that something just shows me that this is an album I need to revisit more. Uh, because I mean, I already like this guy. I like what he does. I just need more experience. Because by the third time I listened to this, and as a matter of fact. After I was done with my third listen, I went back just to hear this song again. Uh, my favorite song on the album. Don't blame him. I, love I fucking song. love this. It has a nice dirty drone to it, you know. And you know, and a lot of times I say that about a drone on a song. And 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 to me, when you have a drone, it's like there's this, there's this underlying riff or this underlining. Uh, You know, just a little something to the song that is expanded upon, you know, over the course of the song. It doesn't deviate. You know, to me, a drone song doesn't deviate. It just builds upon the basic fabric. And that's what this song does. I mean, it's got its fucking niche, it doesn't stray, and it just builds up momentum. And something big to me is definitely something big my favorite song on the album and and, and a prime example of why when, when I listen to albums that we review I don't just listen to it once I try I, I try my damnedest to do at least three sometimes I only make two listens this one I did three you know here in its entirety but I went back to this for a fourth time because this song you know just you know grew on me like crazy and it's now my favorite song of them. I love something big. And uh, and happy to hear that from you. The, 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 you dug it as well.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely an amazing song. Why don't you take the next one? King's Road. Alright. King's Road. Uh,
0: now to me is a little bit of a step down. Not a bad song. Nothing horrible about it. But uh, on repeated listens. This is one that... You know, nothing changed for me Uh, you know, nothing You know it, it,
1: Nothing bad, but to me Uh, quintessential filler track Well, I'm gonna give you The opinion of somebody That's heard this song way too Many times, okay And it's the exact same opinion You have Which is weird oh. uh, This one, I'm telling you, never It's just okay you know, Tom wrote many songs like this, and better than this. It is a flat out rock and roll song with all its trappings. And that is not a bad thing, but for me this song is just there. But it's not there sucking. I just feel like it's just a decent song. Right. And you, right. yeah, like a like a uh, uh filler, but played live. You know, when I saw that story. Really? He played yeah. it live, he wow. played it live. Yeah, he wow. played I believe wow. it was. Uh, I believe it was the opening uh, song. Wow, that, I, I that... could be wrong, but I think he opened the show with this. That's a mind blower. Okay,
0: all right. Well, rather, why don't you flip this motherfucker over and go to the next
1: song? Oh, you uh, you you mean my favorite song on the album and my yeah. second favorite Tom Petty song overall? Really? Yeah. Uh, number one, even the losers. Number two, letting you go. Wow. Fucking something about this song. And this was a song that I heard when I bought the album and then I saw the video where the video, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's the waiting, the waiting and letting you go. They did it at the same time. Oh, he's got a video for that. Oh, it's a great, it's a, it's such a fun video. The cameras itself are dancing along with them.
0: Wow. It wasn't even a single, but it had a video. That's yeah. Amazing. And,
1: it's, but it's the same as the way you've seen the waiting video, right? It's right. It's like, while they were there, all right, let's do uh, letting you go. And they played it on the same stage. Same okay.
0: Stage. okay. Uh,
1: <clears throat> it's a simple song that went hand in hand with uh, Woman in Love uh, at the time for me. Because hearing this song takes me back to that pain I was feeling and the second thoughts of going back to that girl because I was having a hard tr- time letting her go. But good thing I did not. Uh, I think this song was inspired of the death of his mother, actually. I could be wrong, though. But... What I am right about it is this being my favorite song off it. I absolutely love Love love. I love his delivery like it's so mellow, but you know, it's got that edge to it. You know, I Just love the way he sings the song. I love the the feeling of the song. I love the organ playing in the song everything about this song is just so perfect to me man, it's like it's like a perfect Tom Petty song. Like the Waiting, you know? But I even like it more than the Waiting. The Waiting's my second favorite off this. But this is definitely my favorite song off the album. What do you think? Um uh,
0: well well this is one um kinda sums up what I thought about this album at first. And it's funny, I was just talking to uh Bill Wang. I call Bill Wang every day when I when I leave work or I leave the gym. I always call Bill Wang. And, uh, you know, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm going to record with Ralph. You know, this is the album we're doing and stuff, you know. And uh, my first impression of this album was I didn't hate it, but it didn't stand out. And to me, that's the hardest album to review uh, that that you could have is an album where you listen to it and, okay, A you don't have history with it. So you don't have all these little anecdotes and stories, but B you don't hate it. Cause when you hate something, it's easy to talk about. I mean, for me, at least when I hate something, all I got to do is, I'll I'll list why I hate it. But then my biggest thing is to come up with a, a funny joke about why I hate it. But when I don't have history Yet I don't hate it. It's like, man, this is something I really got to listen to because I, 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 you know, I feel like I owe it to you people. Like I have to, I have to tell you about this song. You know, it, it, you know, if I don't have anything interesting or funny to add, I feel like I'm letting you down. So this is one of those I had to go back and and revisit. And at first it didn't grab me at all, but by the second or third listen, I was just like, this is like a perfect nice, sweet little song. And I know that might seem like a... It weir- is, though. It's a, you you, you it described is,
1: it perfectly. It, I it think is. it is a nice, sweet song. It, it, it is, and it's one of those
0: It's like, you know, at the, fir- the first listen, it didn't grab me. Like, okay, this isn't Breakdown. This isn't American Girl. This isn't that. But there's nothing wrong with it, but I need to... I need to listen to it more. I need to find out why this song either grabbed me or it didn't grab me. And I think it was just I wasn't familiar uh, enough with it because there was nothing wrong with it, but this is one of those ones like the more I listen to it's one of those ones, okay you you know, to my ears uh, obviously it's not a single but it's like, it's a very well written sweet awesome rock and roll song And, and that doesn't mean it's pussy or anything like that, it's just it's a sweet little love song, and and I really, I, I really dig it. You know, it's not my favorite. My favorite is something big, but I like this song, and it's it it takes me back to a time where it, it's an album track. You know, it but a re, a really good one at that. And it's a well written one. Uh, and it's you know, a
1: nice way to start side two.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those you might not get it at first, but I mean, look how many albums. You don't get it first, and and rather I was using a prime example. The first time you heard Fair Warning, you're like, ah, eh, I don't get it. No, I hated it. You know, absolutely. and 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 that's how I am with this album. At first, I was like, you know, I like the fact that you picked Hard Promises because it's a a, a dark horse rest, record because you're going to have so many people that pick the popular ones. Yeah. But but then I listened to this and I was like, ah, but I I'm like it's. To, you know, the first listen to my ears, it was bland. It was my only thing. Like it wasn't bad, but it was bland. But on repeated listens, and that's why I do that. That's why I listen to this shit so many times. Because you know, like with any good album, you know, like like you know, you know. Sometimes you know, especially back in our day, you know, you would see a video or you'd hear something on the radio, and that single would be the song like when you get that album you play it over and over and over and then it gets to a point where you're sick of that song but if you keep listening to the album you find something you missed the first two three ten times you listen to it and then all of a sudden one day it hits you like a ton of bricks like holy shit you know and and again I'm not saying this is like the be all end all but it's one of those like unrepeated listens like this is a damn good... Just a sweet little fucking song. It's it's rock and roll. This is pure rock and roll. It doesn't try to be anything else, you know? And it doesn't miss the mark. It's just a and good it's, fucking it's, song.
1: Flows of innocence.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it is. And, and that's... You know, shit like this, I love, like, throwing out on my radio show. And I love being able to play different shit. And, you know, the other week, you know, when Tom Petty died, you know, of course, I got to play some Tom Petty. And and then I, I had a listener who came in halfway through the show. He's like, I know you already did it, but play some more Tom Petty. And I played two songs off the first album, but, you know, they were deep cuts, you know, you know, because I'm like, hey, yeah, you may know that that song. You may be sick of that song, but here's another song to show you why you need to give this man another chance, why he deserves your respect. Uh, you you know this is why this guy lasted as long as he did you know and I I played two deep tracks from from the first album my favorite album and uh, you know this is one of those that like I could have just as easily played this song and have been as proud of Tom Petty and say like hey you who do not know listen to this because this is ear candy this is good songwriting. This is this is craftsmanship. This is somebody who just loved music. And you hear that when you listen to a song like Letting You Go. I, I think, like I said, a great, sweet little track. Absolutely love it. What do you think of the next one, Ralph?
1: Uh, the next one is uh, Things About You. Yes. And I will sound like a broken record, but this song is exactly... How I Feel About King's Road. I think it's decent, but not a favorite of mine, and it's just whatever. That's that's a short, short little review on that one.
0: All right, well, I like this song probably a little bit more than you. I, I think it's a fun little rocker, and uh, when I heard the chorus to this song, it, you know, I know this sounds so weird, but you know who popped in my mind was Joey Ramone. And, and and not like the, you know you know the rest you know lyrically it's it's not anything you would hear from Joey Ramone but when I heard the chorus I I could totally hear Joey Ramone singing this and it's not punky in any way uh, you know it, it doesn't sound like a Ramone song regret, but the chorus is so A B C rock and roll boy meets girl spoon moon June kind of thing. I could totally hear Joey Ramone sing the chorus, even though I might not necessarily hear him sing the rest of the lyrics. It might not be very Ramones. And musically, of course, it's nothing like the Ramones. But it had that kind of raw, basic stuff uh, that I associate with the Ramones. And uh, I really liked this song. I really dug it. What do you think of the next one, Ralph? Uh, Insider.
1: Insider. Amazing. Originally, he wrote this for Stevie Nicks, but then he told her, shit, Stevie, I want to keep this. And uh, she was cool about it. Uh, It's a beautiful song. Great harmonies. One of my favorites off this album. At the time, Stevie Nicks was like, admittingly saying that she liked Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers more than Fleetwood Mac. And at that time, she was practically begging Tom Petty to join the band. And and Tom Petty... Tom Petty's response to her was like, but we don't have no girls in our band. And she's like, like, no, but I really, really want to join your band. Please let me join your band. And then Tom Petty said, yeah, but we don't have any girls in our band. (laughs) And uh, but yeah, it's a song that uh, again, I um, I don't know if he wrote. See, here's the thing. Tom Petty wrote there were like four or five songs he wrote for her. One of them being, uh, um, uh, which, which is the one that I think, yeah, this is one of them, uh, but there were a couple other ones that I feel like uh, they, they may have been on this album, but <clears throat> uh, I, I love the fuck out of this song. I think it's got this really great mellow vibe. It's just a beautiful, slow song, and I've always had a thing for it. And I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Stevie Nicks, too. That's another artist I saw. Four times I was. Oh about wow! It. Really? Wow! Yeah, was, one time I gave her flowers. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I love Stevie Nicks too. I'm I've a never, big I've, I've never seen her. Yeah, she's she's great live. You know, I mean, it's a great vibe to her. She's really passionate on stage. Yeah, she is the queen, man. Oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, I love Insider. What do you think?
0: Well, I would say I've never seen Stevie Nicks. I would love to see her, uh, especially after uh, you know this last festival I went to where I saw Pat Benatar. Uh, who at 64, I mean, vocally, uh, was absolutely amazing, dude. It was like it was like listening to the record even better. I mean, especially hearing songs like Hell is for Children and, you know, all, all the great Pat Benatar classics. But Stevie Nicks, I mean, is even in another, like, holy shit level, even though fuck her for breaking Lindsey Buckingham's heart, but it made for a lot of good songs. Um this is tied for my least favorite song on the album. Uh, th- this is tied with *King's Road* as my least favorite song on the album. I don't think it's a bad song, uh, but it's it, it's almost kind of weird to call this a duet because it's more like background vocals by Stevie. Where like, you no, know, don't uh, don't uh, don't drag my heart around is 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 a actual duet.
1: Well, that's why Tom Petty ended up wanting to keep it, because right. when he worked it w- with it with her, it just worked better. With, can you know, because I believe he wrote it for for her to sing it. But right. you know, they they tried to do stop dragging my heart around with this, but it it ended up you know that you know it was that with that Levine guy, Levine whatever. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. Producing Appian. it, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, no, you know, Tom, you sound better doing most of the vocals on this song. Right. And then the more he, he rehearsed it with her, he ended up saying, "You know what? I, I, I don't want to give this to her. I yeah. want to keep this one." He really, lo- yeah. he really had something about this song he liked, and Stevie Nicks was like really cool with it. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. You know? Well, and then that's when she was like, "You know, but I like that." Stop dragging my heart around. And Tom Petty was kind of like, "Really, you like that one?" And look how big it became.
0: Right, but I mean, <laughs> to me. Stop dragging my heart around is is one of the greatest duets ever written. I mean, it's, I,
1: the, it's the it's the '80s version of uh, "Don't Go Breaking My Heart."
0: Uh, hey. no, not
1: and believe me, don't go breaking my heart. is a stupid song. Oh no, the, I, hey, I, I love I like I, it for nostalgic reasons, but oh, so you I. had two big artists at the time. I mean. Kiki D was an up and coming that you know, then she just right. faded away. Right, right. And Elton John was the biggest shit at the time. So, right. Uh, this is pretty much a repeat of that. You know?
0: Right, but uh, like, I mean, I mean to me, you know, stop dragging my heart around and fucking, you know, uh, don't go breaking my heart. Is like comparing fucking a hundred thousand years and fucking, you know, fucking all uh-uh night. You know, I love all uh-uh night. Same way, the same way I love fucking. Don't go breaking my heart, but I mean, you know, stop dragging my heart around. Like, oh my fucking god, is that good? Where this one, uh, to me, and and again, like I said, this is an album I'm new and growing to. But it's it's not like a a a true duet. It's just well,
1: this song, I I don't think this song is considered a duet. I think it was supposed to originally be a duet, but as I said. Uh, Tom Petty ended up uh, dominating right. it. I, I guess because of Jimmy right. Levine, well, you
0: know. I, I, You know, I think maybe it would have been better as a duet. You know, maybe it could have been a leather and lace. Right. You, know, you know, the amazing song she did with Don Henley or, or uh, Don't Stop Dragging My Heart Around. But to me, uh, this one comes up a little bit empty. Uh, again, I'm not hating on it, but compared to everything else I heard, I'm going to put it with... Uh, 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 Kings Road is my, my two least favorites on the album Why, right, what do you think of the Criminal Mind the Criminal Mind to me is a good dirty rocker it, it, that's just what it's just good dirty rock and roll it's it, it's nothing like spectacular it's not a single it's definitely an album track but I think it's a good rebound I uh, I don't mean that in a mean way, but maybe I do. It's a good rebound from the insider. It's, it's a good, like, okay, let's get back to Tom Petty. Uh, not a standout track, but a good fucking album track. I like, I like the Criminal Kind. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I admit it's a filler, but I love this song. Uh, All right. It's got this cool, almost western vibe to, to you know, buried in this rockin' tune. And, uh, yeah, it's a great album track. A great album track. Um, I'm going to go to the last one. All right. Uh, You can still change my mind. Um, I'm not crazy about this one. Even though something always tells me this is a good song, regardless of it not doing much for me, it's kind of like how I feel about Bob Dylan. You know, it's like, I know he's good, it just ain't doing nothing for me. I think it's because... I would never want a girl to change her mind if all goes to shit. You know, it's like, all right, because honestly, you know, um, if a girl, you know, and you break, you know, I don't know if I've ever, this is something I came up with, and I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, but it's a great analogy of, of breaking up with somebody. Yes, there are exceptions that it may work, you know, but for the most part, when you break up a girl, it's the equivalent of a broken vase, or vase, as the rich people say. Yes. If it falls to the ground and it breaks in pieces and you get glue, you get some super glue, right? And you glue it all together, back together. That's getting back with somebody. Because when you get that vase that you glued all back together and you fill it with water, no matter what, a little bit of water is going to come out of some of those cracks. That's fucking deep. I actually came up with that like 20 years ago. That's I deep. thought I, I came up with that analogy, I but like it's that. the truth. It is the truth because when you break up with somebody, the damage is done. And even though you know getting back with somebody, it really is. You really think about it; it's fooling yourself. It's actually you. It's 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 all based on hope. You know, oh, it's like but, oh, preach, brother, preach. It's it's all about I'm gonna get back with this person, and I'm and it's gonna work this time. But you forgot. That it fell and broke into pieces at one point, and what you're doing now is gluing it back together. And yes, you can glue it back together where it's a perfect vase, but it still got the cracks. And go ahead, fill it up with water. And in a relationship, getting back with a girl in a relationship is the equivalent of opening the faucet and it's just dripping into the vase, you know. But then you know, was, oh my uh... God, that...
0: God, and then you know
1: when it gets to a certain point, when it reaches the cracks. The water starts spilling out and you go through the same bullshit you did the first time you broke up. So my advice to everybody out there is if you break up with somebody, move on. You may have trouble letting it go, as Tom Petty said. But no, move on because all you're going to do is prolong the misery. Because it's a permanent problem to a temporary solution or the other way around. Temporary solution to a permanent problem. So uh, I don't think I I wouldn't want to stick around for a girl to change, you know, her mind and want to get back with me. I'd rather just say, you know, skedaddle. Just let, let you know. Let's cut our loss and let's just move on without each other. Because uh, or you know I mean a great way is too is like what I'm doing with my last girlfriend. You know I I I'm her friend. There's actually zero. Um, uh, what do you, what's the word? Well, yeah, I mean, I love her deep, deeply, but not that type of love, Right. You know, so, oh. I mean, I, I talk to her more than all my friends, actually. I mean, uh, she's somebody that, boy, you know, she can really, like, she's a great listener, a great person. Yeah, she, I saw her she, last she, night.
0: she, she wasn't the one, though.
1: She, no, she, she wasn't the one. But, you know, what happened to me last night, which is not discussed on the show, but, um, I had a really bad experience at a show last night and she lives near the culture room and I called her and I said, you know, I, I need a vent. And then she said, why don't you just come by? And I went by there and you know, she's the type of person you can tell her how you feel and she reassures you you're fucking right. And she has a way of doing it. And, uh, and I don't want her to change her mind how she is now. You know, I never want to get back with her, but I don't see that as a bad thing. You know? She she's much more uh, she benefits me much more than a friend than a girlfriend there, so that's what I feel about this song maybe that's why I can't identify with it because I, I just and musically it just doesn't really I'm not crazy about how this album ends okay. what do you think
0: uh, well first of all I, I, I just want to get to what you said I think it was very uh, and I'm not even being an asshole here or trying to be funny uh, it was very deep and profound, and I I think can fuck a lot of people up sometimes. Is sometimes you 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 have that one, and well you think they're the one, and they could be the one on a lot of different levels, but when it comes down to it, they're not the one. Sometimes you want them to be the one. There's certain aspects that you like, uh, but you. You, you make up for what you know is wrong, and you're like, well, this is going to change, and that's going to change. And I've done that before in relationships where, like, you know something doesn't work, but you want it to work so goddamn bad that you ignore obvious signs that should be a red flag. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, have you been there, Ralph? You know, we're like, of course, y- you 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 know it's not gonna work, but you want it to work so bad because there may be something, it may be the way you get along or, or it may maybe the sex. We're like, God damn it, I want this to be the one, but you know they do something that fucking is detrimental to your mental health, <laughs> you know, or to your to your physical health or to anything, but you want it so goddamn bad, you overlook the obvious, like oh this isn't gonna work but you keep trying to put this you know round peg in a square hole and shit and uh that 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 shit can be terrible and 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 you hit it on the head when you know it's not right sometimes you gotta cut your losses but that can be the most painful thing in the world
1: well it's human nature here's here's the problem with breaking up with somebody the 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 human mind the heart you know the feelings the emotions is really battling with you it's really pushing you to go back you know to go back to this person because you don't you don't want to feel this pain anymore so you think you think this is your 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 train of thought is if i get back with this person all this feeling will go away no it won't it will go away temporarily but then it's going to come back. So why not just go through the pain one time instead of two times? All right. You know, I mean, come on. And that's, it took me a hard time to, to figure that shit out. Yeah. But it's true, man. And I and I always say this also to other people, mainly girls. Because girls, in my experience, girls are the worst at breaking up. I mean, they really miss, uh, and believe me, guys are bad too. I, I'm one of the worst as well. But girls... I always tell these girls that are going through serious heartbreak the same thing I say. You remember that one guy that broke your heart, like in high school or whatever? Yeah, you remember how fucked up it was? Oh my God, it was terrible. What do you think of that person now? Oh, I, I don't even think of that person now. It doesn't even matter. Well, that's going to happen to this current situation. Time heals all wounds, but the fucked up part of time healing wounds, it takes its sweet ass time. Oh yeah, but you, it you, will happen. Yeah, you you
0: can't you can't tell nobody that. You you cannot like like you could talk to your face turns to blue, but you cannot tell somebody that it'll get better. But it does, it does. But you know, every once in a while, you you have that one that does permanent damage. You know? Yeah, the I, Chinese democracy, bro. Exactly. No, no. Prime example, and I'm not even making a fucking joke. I'm not either. She, she did permanent damage I had a girl that did permanent fucking damage but in a way though there's a plus side to that that it doesn't kill you it will make you stronger you know the, the truth is do you learn from it you know, that, 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 that's,
1: yeah, that's the most important part that, is that you have to learn from it. Well, yeah, you're, you're going to repeat the same yeah, thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the Achilles heel. And, and you may not like, like, like I, I had, you know, I had a love in my life that was like, it, is the one that you could consider the love of your life. But was it, was it a positive love or was it a toxic love? Because it took me years to realize it wasn't a positive love. It was a very toxic uh, relationship. You you know, that that, that wasn't... Even when it was at its best, it wasn't positive. Because I didn't get anything from it unless I was sucking the life force out of that. You know, a positive thing is where... You know, you have something to offer. This person has something to offer. And you come together and you create something that's, like, awesome between the two of you. But when you when you have to, you, you know, like, your whole life depends. And I've been there. Like, you know, when we're getting along, it's the greatest thing in the world. If we're not, it's the fucking end of the world. That's, that's very toxic. Not only to you, but to the other person. Because you're asking too much of them. You know, it's it, it it's like you put almost unreal expectations on them because if they don't do what you wanted to do, in your mind the whole world ends, and and something like that is unhealthy. But when two people can come together and like, okay, I bring this, you bring that, and together we create this great ball of fun. That's good, and it may not be as strong as the feeling you feel for the other, but the end game is much stronger. But uh, but yeah, when somebody's going through that, it's like you can't tell them shit, you know.
1: No, no, but they need to hear it though. Oh yeah.
0: Oh oh, and I had a friend one time. I'll, I'll never forget one of my greatest friends in the world. I was going through a divorce uh, uh, from my, well, my only wife, my ex-wife, my mom, my son's mother, and and it to me it was like the end of the world. And anytime you saw me, that's all I could talk about. I was, I was this, I was, you know, it was always depressed. Like nobody wanted to hang out with me because I was a a sad sack, a depressing piece of shit. And one day he just told me, he's like, you need to stop fucking crying. Pull your fucking bootstraps up together and get over this fucking shit. Start being a man. Stop fucking crying. Get over it. It doesn't always work out. You know, fucking, you know, life sucks. Okay, move on. Stop being a goddamn pussy. And I'll never forget when he told me this shit, dude. It hurt so bad. I'm like, you're my best friend. How could you tell me this? You know, how could you be so mean and cruel to me? It was exactly what I needed to hear. It's what I need. And that's what a true friend is. A bullshit friend will tell you whatever you need to hear. A real friend will tell you, when you're fucking up, when you're strained from the path, you know, and and dude, for, for like a while, I was so mad at this guy, like how insensitive is he, how could he do this, and then I realized, this is the best fucking friend I have in the world, because he's letting me know, stop being a fucking pussy, shit happens, life doesn't always go the way you are, you know, fucking buckle up, dude, you, you know, shit happens. You know, you could have the love of your life, but she gets hit by a fucking car. You know, what are you going to do? You know, is your life going to end? No. You find somebody else that, that you love, you make a life, you do shit, you know. Stop being a bitch. The world's much bigger than you. Fucking know your role. Fucking calm down. That's the kind of people you need in your life is somebody who will tell you that. Not yes-men. not yes men Yes, men don't do shit, but make spoiled little fucking Kardashian motherfuckers. Real friends will tell you when you're fucking up, when you're being an asshole, and 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 when you need to just fucking man up.
1: When life is dark, seek the light. Look, yeah. I just made that up too. Yeah, uh, because uh, if you sit there and you mope and you mope, you're not turning on no lights. You're staying yeah. in the darkness. You're letting the darkness win. You're letting your depression win. Yeah. It, it's, you know, and We're not all built the same way But I'm telling you man If you just like I mean I remember look <laughs> On future breakups When I had future breakups And I was going through like misery I would say to myself and This was already after I've gone through so many of them I would say fucking time hurry up This sucks But I knew not to go back But I knew time was going to heal it But I was like oh, I know it's going to take forever but, But I knew I knew right now And now as I speak, the the technical love of my life now, which is not a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. um, as as far as I know, she could be sucking dick and getting fucked right now. And I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it. And when you reach that, and I know a lot of people, they are not built that way. There's no way they can accept that. But even you out there that you can't accept it, you know, you know, I'm right when I'm telling you this. How would it feel never to be jealous again? I mean, what a the most ugly emotion you can have is jealousy. oh, the the ug- well and racism. The, I mean, both yeah, are the most ugly. Yeah,
0: but you want you want to talk about a relationship killer is jealousy. Uh, that, that jealousy's that the a- worst. And
1: I was bad, dude. I'm a spick. We are infamously bad at jealousy. I mean, to the point where we accuse them of doing shit they're not doing. Right. You know, it's it's bad. It's bad to be that way. It's not fair to you or them. Yeah. You know? So it's like, jealousy is. Su- I hate jealousy with a passion. Though I hated people, you know, girls being jealous over or whatever the fuck I was doing. As bad as as me feeling, because the the feeling of jealousy is like a different form of depression, because it still does the same thing. It fucks with your head. You know?
0: But you, you know another great thing though is is when you've made it past that great heartbreak, you you know, the one that changes your life, that changes your whole outlook, uh, when you really come through the other side, you realize you're not going to die. Nothing is going to kill you. You know, And, and there's a freedom in that. There is a total, like, nothing can stop you know, like, if I find somebody that contributes to my life, that, that, that makes shit better, that's just icing on the cake. You realize, like, everybody has that one, you know, guy or girl. Like, oh my God, if, if they're gone, I'm going to die. But once you realize you're not going to die, there is a freedom in that. That you you have power. You are a human being. You You have worth. You have something to offer. Now, when you can find somebody to match up with that... That's great. That's all a bonus. But you know, no matter what, like, I, I, I love, I love my old lady right now. I love her to death. I, you know, great. She does so much good for me. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with her. We have fights like every other couple. But you know what? If something happened tomorrow, I'm going to live. You know, I might be, I might be sad for a while. I might be this, but I know I'm going to survive because i've been through it (laughs) you know i've been through that like the shit you think you'll never make it through uh and and once you know that that there's no one person that's gonna kill you or make you you're who you are it's finding somebody that's compatible with you you know once you got that it's all good it's all good it's just you know moments hey i might be lonely tonight but you know what I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. You know? I'm on the greatest podcast in the world. What's going to get me down? You know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: don't know how you get over if i dump your ass.
0: Yeah, that'd be fucked up. Because <laughs> i would... Yeah. Then you will die. <laughs> yeah.
1: We ain't talking about that.
0: <laughs> but, uh... But, uh... You know, that, that, that's some, something uh, for the lonely heart out there. But, as far as the last track... Um, Ralph I couldn't disagree with you more uh, I really like this song and I think it, it's a really cool dreamy way uh, to end the album uh, I, I I think it's a perfect closer to this which is which is a weird album you know this isn't uh, a fucking exile on Main Street chock full of hits this is just like hey these are the songs that Tom Petty came up uh, during four months of 1981, kind of thing. But I think it's a great way to close it. And I love the background vocals of Stevie Nicks and I believe her sister on this song, uh, which are even more subtle than on The Insider. You know, these are very subtle female vocals in the backing track, but it serves the song. To me, it serves the song. Uh, more successfully than the insider, I, I think this is not only a better song musically and lyrically, uh, but the way they use uh, Stevie's vocals on this and her uh, and her not her sister. I'm sorry, her sister doesn't sing this, but the other girl, Sharon, who like any Stevie Nicks album you listen to, those three are on it. But uh, but anyway, I think this is a great way to end the album. And uh, one of those, like I said, you know, first listen, I'm like, what the fuck? Second listen, I'm like, not so bad. Third listen, I'm like, yeah, this is is cool. This is the way you end this weird album. And uh, I I, I thank you again for picking this, brother, because this is definitely something I want to go revisit. The same way that happened with The Armored Saint, the same way that happened with Ice Earth. This is something that leaves me wanting to, you know, not forget about it, to go back and check it out and spend some time with this shit. Uh, and overall, it's an underrated album. So, rather, I, I think it's a great, great pick uh, by an amazing artist, Tom Petty. Uh, I, I tip my glass to you, Sir Tom Petty.
1: Right on. All right, you got any... Uh inside closings about this album alright well let me go back
0: to that Uh, well this album was released May 5th 1981 produced by Jimmy Iovine and Tom Petty and uh, you know we already spoke about you know why it was delayed because of uh, you know Tom Petty said hey you know this album shouldn't cost more than anybody else's album Uh, in in the US it made it to number five on the Billboard uh, Top 200, and it is certified platinum. So, there you go. It's not one that's talked about, and uh, but hey, man, that's what Rock and Roll Combat Podcast is all about. Did I say podcast weird
1: this time? No, no, you didn't do it the same way.
0: Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, what you're, I...
1: you're you're a little too drunk. You're 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 getting close to you're getting close to the line of slurry.
0: Oh, 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 good. We should do another episode then. Uh, Uh, but uh but anyway I I love Tom Petty and uh a a very sad tragic loss and uh you know like more shit's coming out now uh about his death you know in this era that we grew up in now like everything's on fucking TMZ and you know everything's on fucking TV which is kind of weird but like you know they're talking about like his family uh You know, he was upstairs, and they heard, like, this ghastly fucking sound uh, before they ran up and found out he had a heart attack. Uh, They thought it came from Tom Petty, but it turns out he was watching a video of uh, Paul Stanley trying to sing the intro to Heaven's on Fire. That sounded like death. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to leave that in there. But, uh, but, uh, no, man, man, it's, it's sad, dude. I mean, when you, when you called me and told me, it's one of those things that's like, hey, uh, you know, I'll always remember Ralph's the guy who called me up and said, hey, Tom Petty died. But at the same time, I'm very sad because fucking Tom Petty died, you know? It's like, fuck, Tom Petty died at 66. That's a, that's, that sucks, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm going to get, I'm gonna get into why it sucks even more later in this episode, believe it or not, so keep listening. Well, this episode's done. Well, we're getting there. It's not quite done. We got pick of the week, Ralph. Yeah, you got
1: one? Do you have Pick of the week? No, I'm looking through my stuff.
0: All right, well, my pick of the week uh, pick of the week this week is a band that I just discovered, I mean seriously, like a couple weeks ago. And I I can't even remember what the fuck I bought on Amazon. But lately, I've been checking out those, you know, like, oh, if you like this, you'll like that. And I always scroll through, and uh, this band caught me simply by the album cover. And the band is called Ruby the Hatchet. And they're a band out of Philly. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a really cool album cover. So let me go on iTunes and check it out and this is an awesome like kind of like doom stone metal band with a female singer and I know this sounds very sexist but I am not a big fan of female singers uh, you, you know there, there's an ex- of course I love the great Ann Wilson of heart and stuff like that you know I love Pat Benatar shit like that but you know specifically for metal even though I might like like a Lita Ford song here or there, I'm not a big chick metal dude. Uh, this band, though, is absolutely amazing. Uh, this girl's vocals—it it just seems almost like asexual. It doesn't, you know, uh, not that she sounds like a man, but it does. Like when I listen to it, I don't hear a chick singing. I just hear like really cool vocals and really cool metal. And uh, I downloaded their first two albums and I really loved it. They had their brand new album which is called... Hold on, I'm trying to look at the spine. Uh, And I'm an old man. Planetary Space Child. You can get this shit on Amazon on clear blue vinyl for like 12 bucks. And... This shit is absolutely amazing. Uh, I really hope I get a chance to see this band live. And and again, I was really... Uh, like, I listened to them and I really dug it. But I was like, let me play this on my radio show and see what other people think. Like, is it just me or is this, like, really fucking cool? And everybody that was listening to my radio show uh, last week was like, Wow. That's really fucking good. So that shows me it's not just me. Uh, Ruby the Hatchet. Oregon uh, Planetary Space Child. It's a third album. Uh I, I I can't recommend this enough. I mean, especially if you like Stoner, like Doom, like you know, if you love Black Sabbath and you don't like this, chances are you don't like Black Sabbath. You just like to say you like Black Sabbath. Uh, and dude, twelve dollars for clear view clear uh blue vinyl. Fucking hey. But my second list uh goes back to who we're talking about today, who is Tom Petty. And uh, so I'm getting ready for the review and okay, I gotta listen to Heart Promises, gotta listen to it again. And then I had a little bit of spare time, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some you know, I got my headphones on. I'm blaring it real loud. I'm like, I'm going to play some Tom Petty that I know and love. But then I was like, you know what? I've got these, like, the last couple Tom Petty albums that he put out that, uh, you know, I got from Mr. X, but, you know, I, I got a copy, but I never listened to, uh, you know, I'm like, let me check it. Let me see what he was doing at the end. Was it any fucking good? So I listened to the last Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album it's called Hypnotic Eye. I started listening to it. My mind was fucking blown. I mean I mean I mean seriously. I I mean on my child's fucking name. I fucking listened to this shit. I was like you got to be shit I I got to listen to seven songs. I think there's 15 songs. I got to listen to seven songs before Ralph was finally ready to record the episode. Best Tom Petty album I've ever heard in my fucking life. Hands down. Not even a fucking... Not even close. Not even close. Before this... Before today, my favorite was the the self-titled Tom Petty debut You know, with uh, Breakdown, American Girl. This last album, American Eye. Every fucking song, 15 out of the, the, uh, I mean, 7 out of the 15. Everyone was a fucking single. Everyone was fucking amazing. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself like, motherfucker. This album came out in 2014, I believe. Nobody bought it. Because it's 2014, it's Tom Petty. I mean, only hardcore's bought it. Every song was a plus plus plus, top grade, top of the line. I I I was blown away. I went right on Discogs, ordered this shit on double 180 gram vinyl. I I, I didn't even tell Ralph. I I sent it to him. Because I'm like, dude, you have to hear this. You have to fucking hear this. Because this shit is Tom Petty at the top of his game. I've never in my life heard a Tom Petty album as uh, as stacked as this is. Seven songs in, every song could be a single. Blew my fucking mind. I mean, literally. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And who knows what the rest of the album holds. Even if if all of the the, the second half was, like, fucking fanfare, this would be, like, the best Tom Petty album ever. You need to check out Tom Petty, Hypnotic Eye, and then be pissed at yourself for not buying a Tom Petty album in 2014. Because it's absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, seriously. Uh i, I, I... Well, fucking
1: a! Can't wait to hear it! What a great way to go out,
0: huh? Oh, dude, I, I've, ne- I've never been this excited about somebody's out like an artist this long in the tooth. Never, ever, ever. I mean, I mean, this, this, this shit makes like you know, Redeemers of the Soul, Soul sound like fucking ram it down. I mean, this is, I mean, it, it's fucking amazing, dude. It's it's really, really good, and I I can't wait for you to hear it. And, and to hear feedback from you because I, I believe in it a, a thousand percent with all my heart and soul. And I don't think, like, oh, you got to be into this, you got to be into that. No, if you just love rock and roll, it's goddamn amazing. So please check out a newer band from Pennsylvania, Ruby the Hatchet. The album's name is, uh, what is it? Called? Planetary Space Child. And please check out Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Hypnotic Eye
1: well right on Um, I found I was looking through something that would be like you know in the vein of Tom Petty right so even though it doesn't really sound like Tom Petty but it's a very popular uh, solo artist called Billy Joel you ever heard of him?
0: yeah I love that guy
1: Yeah. did you hear this recent story I'll get into what album it is about Billy what he does with the front ro- with the first rows of his shows. No, I have
0: no idea what you're talking about.
1: You're going to love this guy even more now. You uh, know what Tom, you know what Bill, Billy Joel does? He refuses to sell any seats in the first two rows because he became bored of rich people just sitting up there looking at him. So this is what he does. I love it. On the day of the show, he sends his people up to the nosebleeds and gets those people down to front. Oh my god. <laughs> is that amazing oh my god how dude well, I, I love that Billy is the, that is like the coolest shit ever
0: oh my god
1: that's
0: a fucking artist dude yep and, 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 and fuck all you people like ugh, metal I don't listen to Billy Joel Billy Joel is an amazing fucking artist dude.
1: Amazing. But, you know you think about it he could have made such a killing on those front two rows because he can sell them a thousand bucks a pop no problem maybe even more yeah no he decides to give it to the people that can't afford it all the way. I mean, he, go, they go all the way up to the nose. like, on the, like the last seats. Oh, so if you're going to go see Billy Joel, make sure you get one of those seats. And I've, I've, your, I've
0: never seen him, dude. I've never seen yeah, him.
1: Yeah. I've seen him three times, but um, yeah. And he's great live.
0: Ooh, what else? My pick, what
1: else? my, my pick is 52nd street. Oh, big shot. Big shot. Honestly, Dude, no song, no song, blatantly tells it as it is, like honesty. Honesty is like, fucker, you, you know, fuck bullshit artists. You know what's
0: fucked up though is there's a lot of people who think honesty is a a Garth Brooks song. Well, well, no, he covered it and it was very successful.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you know, I mean, it has that. I don't want no pretty face to tell me pretty lies. All I want is, you know, honesty. Um, bar Yep. Rosa, Ro- Rosalinda's eyes. Yes, this Ro- is a great fucking oh. album. The title track, you know, it's oh,
0: did, great. Did you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch an amazing TV show in the early two thousands called uh, Freaks and Geeks? No. Oh, it, it, it's an amazing show, dude. You would love it. I mean, seriously, you would absolutely love this show because it's all about when you grew up. It's about kids who went to high school in the late 70s, early 80s. It, it's all about you. But there's an episode where they play Rosalita's Eyes, and and uh, it, it, it's magic. Great song. Yeah,
1: yeah, great, great. Uh, and a great album, you know? This was, you know, wedged in tw- wedged in between my two favorite Philly Joel albums. And I guess I would put this at number three. I don't know, I really do like... Uh, Nylon Curtain as well.
0: Oh, dude. Good Night Saigon. Good Night Saigon is like oh, getting chills. Oh, Allentown. Allentown. Oh, pressure, Allentown. You know. No, uh, is Pressure on, on yeah. Nylon Curtain?
1: Yeah, Pressure's on Nylon Oh, on I,
0: I thought that was on Glass House.
1: Okay, okay. No, Glass House is my second favorite album. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. That's my pick of the week. We got a fan of the week? Yes, we do. We, we, we,
0: and we've got a weird fan of the week this week. Um, and and, and and this asshole probably ain't even listening. And I, I, I say asshole in just because this yeah, is...
1: we have two fans of the week, because after you're done, I got a fan of the week.
0: Okay. Well, this asshole is somebody I used to fight with all the time on uh, Bill Wing's Kiss, 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 Hard Rock Heavy Metal page. And his name is Ron Dirt... Dirt... Dirtman. I call him Ron Dirtmitz. Uh... And, and I used to fight with this guy. He's got a big-ass... I used to call him Gandalf the Gay because he looks like fucking one of those fucking wizard motherfuckers. But, uh... He actually sent a thing to be part of the page, and I was like, you know what? I gotta stop fighting with people on fucking Facebook. Because Facebook ain't even real. I'm like, I'll give this guy a fucking chance. Because sometimes, you know what? You might fight with somebody on Facebook that in real life, you might not. You know, but you know how, like, shit comes across and fucking sarcasm is so lost when you type it, and 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 Bill Wang was like, hey, this guy's a good dude, he's like, we exchange tapes all the time, he's a good dude, I'm like, fuck this fucking motherfucker, this docking hater, Sammy Hagar apologist motherfucker. You know, you know, but yet he. What?
1: You're gonna make a guy like that friend of the week, a guy like Sammy Hagar?
0: And he loves death metal. You're fucking drunk, bro. No, but 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 here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. I went against my better judgment, and even we have some Cross fans that are on the Kiss 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 page and the Rock and Metal Combat page. They couldn't believe that I accepted them because even though. He, he doesn't hate Sammy like we do at least he has a good sense to admit that you know Dave is the singer for Van Halen I was like you know what let me give this asshole a fucking chance and and see if he can uh, act like a regular human being and he, he's commented on posts. he's become part of the page and uh, he's made sh- you know what I ain't gotta agree with everybody on everything you know Sometimes we we can be brothers and sisters but not agree on everything. And that's kind of where I am with fucking uh, wizard sleeves here. Fucking Gandalf the Gay, Ron Dirtmitz, you know. Uh, We don't always see eye to eye, but he's just as passionate about fucking hard rock as I am. So fuck it, let's give him a chance. And he's been very cool on the page. There hasn't been any drama.
1: Oh, okay. Then, then he definitely gets a pass.
0: Yeah, he? yeah. So, so to me, that shows me. is like, hey, we come from different backgrounds, have different at- outlooks. But you know what? He didn't come on as a troll. He didn't, like, come trying to start shit. He didn't try to do this. But he participated in fucking conversations and stuff like that. So, you know what? Hey, this is me trying to be a fucking adult. And uh, say thank you for coming on the page and just doing what you do and not being a fucking douchebag. So that's why Ron Dirtmitz, uh, Gandalf the Gay, a.k.a. Wizard Sleeves, a.k.a. lives in his mother's fucking attic, uh, is our Fan of the Week. There you go. All
1: right. um, uh, My Fan of the Week is somebody that was Fan of the Week not too long ago. But I think he deserves to be Fan of the Week again. Somebody that donated. So we made him fan of the week of that episode. Okay. I'm talking none other than Mr. Adam Marshall. Yes. From Australia. Yes, I shared a Vegemite this, sandwich with him. This guy. I, I'm serious. I think I'm just going to give him the Eternal Idol stage. I'm just going to give it to him. Oh, yeah. He's he, he contributes so much to that Black Sabbath. He is such a passionate Black Sabbath fan as I am. And he knows everything Sabbath, and he's just... And, you know, and he writes me sometimes some really good stuff that's kind of private, but, he, you know, he's got my back on certain things. I tried to get him laid. Really? Yes,
0: uh, my girlfriend's friend was going to uh, Australia, and I tried to set it up so he could fuck her, but uh, she took off before I got a chance to set things in motion. But this dude is so amazing... Yeah, he's a really, really outstanding person. Oh, my God. And when when my radio show, when Wadzilla World airs, uh, you know, it starts at 10 a.m. here in Central Time Zone America. It's in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Okay, there's all again. Uh, anyway, it's in the middle of the night in Australia, and normally he's coming home all fucked up. This motherfucker will stay up to like, Five, six in the morning to listen to my show. And and it's just dude, it's just a crazy devotion because we we have multiple listeners in Australia that I've talked to, like, hey, check out you know Wazilla World. And they're like, oh my god, that's that that doesn't even start till one in the morning in Australia. Uh I, I can't do that. Adam Marshall is there. And usually stays until he passes out because of drugs and alcohol. And how, how awesome is that? Because Nor you know, pictures like he's like, "Dude, I'm so fucking drunk right now," or "I'm so fucking high." He's like, "I love this goddamn show," but he's not only listening, but in the chat room and doing shit, dude. Adam Marshall is—I mean, that's—you know—we ever do a Hall of Fame, fucking—you know—rock and metal combat podcast fans. Adam Marshall is in that motherfucker. First, Should be the first one in. Oh, first answer.
1: I don't think anybody does as much to uh, for, for us. Not Forget the podcast. Just us in general as an internet friend. Oh. As Adam Marshall does. Oh, he yeah. just seems... He's like that guy. You just have this vibe, boy. This guy lived here and, you know, he was my friend in real life here. That fucker would have my back in a heartbeat, you
0: know? Oh, oh dude, he is amazing. He he served in the military for Australia, and he's look at that. He even more even more reason to love. He, he, he's shown so much love for like you know you know as my son being a veteran and stuff, and just oh always oh, tunes in and is such a supporter of the show. And he is a lifer. He's not one of these fucking kiss faggots who only turns in when we're talking about kiss. You fucking faggots, and and I don't mean that against gay people. I'm talking about worse than gay people. I'm talking about kiss faggots.
1: Yeah, you guys are like fucking bundles of wood in Canada.
0: Yeah, go fuck yourself. This guy listens no matter what. Uh, This is a guy, he's always talking about shows. He always promotes your almost human page. He contributes to every page you have. He contributes to my page. I mean, this guy is a lifer fucking fan. Uh, Not enough can be said about Adam Marshall used to be Marshall Amps. Some of you might have known when he was Marshall Amps. But then, of course, Facebook started cracking down on all this shit, dude. What a cool name. Yeah, but dude. And and so good. He's so into this fucking, you know, doom metal and shit like that. And, uh, like, he'll make requests on my show that are kind of out of the wheelhouse of my show. Like, uh, he wanted to hear Sadists. And Sadus isn't really. I mean, I, I love metal, dude. I love Sadus. You know, especially Swallowed in Black. That's. What, I played a song off of Swallowed in Black.
1: Love uh, that
0: album. But uh, saw that tour. But uh, you know, so he made a request one day. He's like, "Hey, can you play me some Sadus?" I'm like, "Dude, whatever you request, I'm gonna play." Uh, but I wasn't that familiar with Sadis But I'm kind of like looking, uh, you know, as a non-fan. I'm like, "That's a cool album cover." I'm like that's a cool Adam uh, album title, and he actually saw Sadus and mentioned that he got him to play Sadus on my radio show, nice. and, and they went, they're like, "Oh my god, okay, yeah, let's get a picture." You got, you know, you got our music played on the radio. You're fucking awesome, and he he like wrote me like thanking me like crazy, just for playing the song because he mentioned it. I'm like, no, dude, thank you for listening, you know, every week, for tuning in, for like, you know, the dedication, like, oh my God, I'm so fucking high right now, but I'm going to stay up till six in the morning to hear your dick jokes and docking songs, you know? I mean, that's that's a fucking fan right there. Adam Marshall, man, that's top tier right there. All time, hell yeah, Hall of Fame fucking Rock and Metal Combat podcast fucking fan.
1: Just a good guy overall, and that's why I picked him again. This is probably his third time being fan of the week.
0: Yeah, and that's not enough, dude. I mean, he
1: yeah, not enough.
0: Yeah. He he's that he's that kind of guy. I mean, he is like a, a you know a Mike Sears, a fucking Stephen Kirsch, a fucking you know Johnny Vogan, you know fucking, you, you know fucking. Vince Cavanaugh, Edward Canastracci. Yeah, I so. love
1: all those guys, man. Yeah, but, awesome. I,
0: I, yeah, all hardcore motherfuckers that listen no matter what, and, a hey, if I didn't, li- you know, mention your name, fuck you, I'm drunk, don't be a bitch. You know, but I'm talking about people who are here every week, no matter what we review, that listen, that, that, that spread the word, you know. I, I mean, without you guys... All we would do is put on an awesome show that being and Ralph listened to, <laughs> you know?
1: Exactly. So, all right, so uh, let's get into the plugs.
0: All right, here we go.
1: EarPillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Royce brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern The Rock Show with Gully and Joe Listen to it, don't be a cunt Hey rock music fans This is Terrence Reardon of the Terence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album That had a major impact on my life And I'm usually joined by a friend or two, or ten
0: And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly.
1: So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. New episodes every Monday
0: exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com.
1: All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting
0: Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the Podkiss crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Jay
1: Perali, and you're listening to Pod Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The podcast. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears.
0: All right, this is the Ayatollah alcohol Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like. And a few that you like, too. Check me out every Saturday. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on soundforia.com. I'll see you there.
1: Hey, this is DJ Mack. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at mindovermetalpodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh, yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube so check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news discussion and reviews that's the mind over metal podcast download it subscribe to it today hey headbangers you want your own radio show well you got it on thursday nights here on that metal station Join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room, and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it. Because my show rules. And only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then they repeat it on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker.
0: Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original, Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims, Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast.
0: Alright, well if you love this Tom Petty-esque Americana rock and roll episode, Come back next week. When it is it something we picked? Or is it one of the two remaining fan-picked episodes? I don't know. You don't know. But fucking show up anyway, you son of a bitch. Don't be a fair weather. Whoa, well, I'm only listen to the Kiss episodes. Come back next week, no matter what, for the rock and roll, or rock and, what is it called? Rock and rock. meta... Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.